L'audit de vos rêves se trouve déjà près de chez vous. Choisissez le modèle qui vous fait rêver et profitez-en immédiatement. Audi s'engage aujourd'hui à vos côtés avec Audi pour vous. Un ensemble d'offres et de services pour vous aider à mieux repartir. En ce moment, jusqu'à 6 mois de loyer vous sont offerts sur une sélection de modèles disponibles en stock. Découvrez l'ensemble de nos engagements Audi pour vous sur Audi.fr. Offre jusqu'à 6 mois de loyer suivant le premier versement offert. Offre LLD à particulier jusqu'au 30 juin 2020 sur 37 mois et 25 000 km par an maximum sur une sélection de véhicules en stock et si acceptation par Volkswagen Bank. Détail sur Audi.fr. Welcome to Test Podagogy. For this episode, we are focusing on handwriting. When should children start holding a pen? How should they hold it? When should they start writing at tables? There are numerous talking points. I'll be discussing all this with Joe Atkinson, research fellow and occupational therapist in the School of Psychology at the University of Leeds, and a lecturer in the Faculty of Health Studies at the University of Bradford. She's also part of an ongoing EEF trial looking at handwriting. Joe, thank you for joining us. I guess the first question is. Um, how should we be approaching handwriting from the earlier stages of a, a child's life? I mean, what, at what point should we be introducing writing, mark making, and, and at what points might we spot problems with, with that developmental trajectory? Yeah, so as you say, it's about, um, it is about in the early years, foundation stage, it's about the preparations for writing. And as adults, we take it for granted. Um, once we've learned to write, it's, um, we take it for granted it's an easy skill, um, like riding a bike or walking. Um, but beneath that, it's a very complex um, it's a very complex skill involving many areas of the brain and when we look at somebody writing it seems like a fairly discreet easy skill but there's so much behind it so the preparation the, the stages that children need to go through in order to get to that point of being able to sit at a desk and write um there's loads of things that are involved in there and if we think of um a young baby and about how their hand function develops. Initially, when you place your hand in a baby's hand, it's all about primitive reflex activity and the grasp reflex. And they will, you think they're holding the hand, but it's all, you, they think, you think they're holding the, your hand, but it's all about reflex um, activity. And then it's moving on to um, a chunky palmer grasp using the whole hand around items. And then eventually children will develop a mature grasp of the pen. But in order to be able to do that, they need to go through lots of different stages. So in the early years, I think it's about enabling environments for children, providing loads of experiences for them to explore. And in terms of gross motor function, uh, children, very young children, babies, toddlers, they need lots of time initially on the floor, lots of interesting things to look at, roll towards so that they can move on to crawling. And for handwriting, shoulder stability and pelvic stability um, is required to be able to sit in the chair or stand at a desk and be able to stabilize those proximal parts in order to be able to go on to use uh, the hand in a precise way. So you're telling us that babies don't actually hold our hands. I mean, that's quite a shocking <laughs> That's quite a shocking moment for me. <laughs> I know, I'm sorry about that. It's just disappointing, but that initially stimulating the palm of the hand, it is initially when your baby is first born, it is a reflex activity. Obviously, yeah. as they get older, um, they are then volitionally choosing uh, to hold your hand. Um, but in those very first days, it is, it is a reflex. 
What is the um, physiology, you know, in those early stages? Let's say between naught and two. I mean, are we are we built to hold things, and and how different is is how we're built to hold things to how we may hold a pen in those early stages? I mean, are, do we tend to grip in a sort of Palmer grip way, as you as you explained? Yeah, so there is a state, there is a, a progression, a developmental stage of how of, of how hand function develops. And yeah, absolutely, we are built um, to manipulate objects. Um, the the writing that's that's an interesting question about whether we were de- designed uh, to write. But the, the the developmental sequences that you start out with a very um, like a, a cylinder a grip using your whole hand. But then as the muscles and uh, sensory motor skills develop, you're then able to use your hand in a more advanced way. So for young children, it's really important that they have the chance to manipulate objects, that they have chance to go on swings and hold the, you know, hold the swing to climb up, um, to climb up the stairs of the slide in the, in the playground, holding onto the handrail to have the chance to make bread and do play-doh play in the mud sand water all of those things so that they get the sensation um so that they get the sensory experiences and the motor experiences that they need um in order to be able to develop so if a child doesn't have those opportunities their their hand skills are not going to develop um as they could am i right in thinking that it's not just a hand we're talking about here. I mean, how in the, in the even in a basic grip, are we talking about arm muscles? Are we talking about shoulder muscles? Are we talking about core stability? So for grip, um, absolutely, you need to be able to um, you need to be able to stabilise um, the shoulder girdle and have the strength there. I mean, very basically, you need to be able to move from, you obviously start out in a lying position, you need to be able to move initially into prone, uh, to, on, on, into, onto your stomach. Crawling, as I said, is very important because that helps to build the shoulder muscles um, and, and, and pelvic muscles. And then you've got the reciprocal innovation with crawling where you learn to move one limb in isolation to the other. So very, obviously very young children, they don't have that they might um you know not have that um differentiation um and very importantly as well there's joint position sense that's involved um with using the hand so being able to identify um what you're feeling and know where you are in space so for young children as well um the you often see talks um on the playground floor in the playground, um, wonderful, absolutely brilliant chunky chalks. Um, this gives the children wonderful proprioceptive feedback. Um, so they get very strong feedback from the chalk on the bumpy surface of the playground. And blackboards, again, wonderful uh, vert- on a vertical surface as well. That helps to develop the wrist extensors that are needed to hold um, later on to hold the pen so all of those things are really important it's quite complex then yeah exactly there are so this is the thing we get as occupational therapists we get so many referrals for children 
with handwriting difficulties. So it, could, it can be because the gross motor skills haven't developed and perhaps they don't have that, like you say, they don't have the core stability to be able to anchor the proximal parts to free up the hand to write. It can be a visual perceptual difficulty um, to do with perhaps differentiating left and right. Um, it can be a sensory a processing problem, it could be attention, um, it could obviously be a cognitive difficulty, um, many things are involved. So those early experiences are so important to build self-esteem and one of the ways that I think adults can help is if the children can see the adults um, writing and enjoying writing um, even if it's just shopping lists um, and other things um, and trying to foster the love of learning. And then in those early stages, being child-led, trying to see when they're excited and interested and, you know, going along with that and supporting them. So it's it, very generally um, a child needs a good, good foundation, good developmental opportunities in those early years. And I think those early years practitioners are um, brilliant at those um, ways of um, supporting, um, supporting children. Um, so you would expect, say, to see some random scribbling for children at sort of around 12 months, two and a half years, progressing to more controlled scribbling between the age of the two and three. On walls, usually, I find. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Not always uh, where you want them to. <laughs> but you should be giving them a pen at that age, uh, presumably. We should be um, allowing children to have pen. You know, we might get some uh, multicoloured walls, or um, I think I've had multicoloured pretty much all my possessions now in my house, but... Um, giving them a pen at that age is is not uh, to their detriment they don't it's not like a sequential thing where we need to build up all these muscles without a pen first and then move on to a pen i mean giving them a pen at an early stages is, is or a pencil or a, hopefully a washable ink of some dis description is a good is a good thing to do <laughs> yeah or um ideally something like one of those um you know, an aquadoodle water mat so they can mm. do as much as they like without causing any damage. But working on vertical surfaces is is brilliant. If you have got a door that you can paint with some blackboard paint or if you've got a whiteboard at home, that is, you know, that's wonderful. For young children, having a big, something fairly large and fairly sort of, you know, kind of a, an age-appropriate tool is good. So something they can get their hand around. So if it's too small and too long, that's that's tricky. So providing chunky crayons um, and a whole range, I think the variability of um, tools that you can give young children is 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 great. And even sticks in, you know, sticks in mud is out in the garden that is wonderful it's still a way of any form of mark making in the early years and I think that's the focus of what the early years experience is about it's about making marks and having fun encouraging creativity um, self-esteem uh, all of those things uh, play-based learning in those early years and then from the age of three yes you will get some children who are writing at the age of three but you would certainly be expecting pictures to be emerging between the ages of sort of three and five um, and any um, having the stories having the stories and experience to write about um, St Edmunds School um, a nursery centre in in Bradford have a wonderful um, things to do before you're five 
um, app um, with a whole range of um, experiences um, that, that, that they can work through and ideas. And I think this is what the early years are all about. It's that global developmental opportunities um, for children. If we go back to the um, the vertical surface, I mean, can we go into that a bit more? So, like, are you talking about you know three to five year olds having the opportunity to to stand and scribble in front of a, a vertical surface, and why is that in particular quite beneficial? So, the anatomy of the wrist is that for um, to get into that, you've got the long uh, muscles and tendons that run a, a, along your forearm across the top of your hand. And the best functional position you need, um, it's a position of extension. So um, I'm, I'm doing this with my wrist here, which obviously you can't see. So <laughs> extension is when you're, um, when you're moving. If you had your forearm flat on a table, it's where you're lifting your wrist up away from the table in the position okay. of writing. And you need about 19 to 20 degrees of extension in the wrist to, to get into a nice uh, position for writing. So you don't want to be writing with a flexed wrist because you don't get that nice action of the long muscles and tendons across the wrist. Some people do write with a flexed wrist, but it's not the optimum position. And through writing um, on a vertical surface, hopefully not your prized living yeah. room wall, but on writing on a vertical surface, what you're doing is encouraging um, the building of extension in the wrist. Um, and, and helping that to develop along, obviously, with um, the, the, the shoulder and the elbow. So um, a variety of writing surfaces is encouraged. I wouldn't say don't write on horizontal. You want horizontal writing as well, but that's why writing on a vertical surface is particularly good. So having blackboards, whiteboards, anything that children can write on in the playground and in schools and anywhere else is, um, is really good for development. Why? Why do we have this obsession with um, lying on our bellies to at this age to write? Is that is that because that's beneficial too, or is that just because lots of kids find that a a sort of comfortable position to draw? And yeah, write no, on? it's a lovely. I think popping in prone um, on, on um, laying on your stomach is wonderful for sh shoulder girdle okay. um, and and um, head control. So that's absolutely great and really for young children what the worst thing that they can possibly do is sit for long periods of time extended periods of time um the whole emphasis is about moving so the more in a way the the more they can vary their positions the better um and lying down and scribbling yeah on the floor is 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 great really um again not hopefully not any best carpet but <laughs> <laughs> and how much when these children are getting to the age of four or five when they're doing their first year in reception should we expect um variability in terms of just physiology because that people are built differently should we expect variability in in sort of background in the sense that some children may have different experiences they may not be they may not have a specific problem other than you know, they're slightly smaller, slightly less developed, or they have a slightly less um, a background where there's less of these experiences you're talking about. And is there, alongside that, ex more, uh, I guess, long-term concerning problems that you might spot on entry to reception? So I'm sort of talking about when a, when a child comes into reception and, and reception teachers do their initial assessment, should we expect variability? And how much of that variability may be down to sort of environmental or physiological factors and how, ma how many of those issues may be down to something that needs a little bit more attention, for example? 
Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. There's a huge amount of differentiation um, of individual achievement in in reception. Um, and very simply, um, it's a really sort of rapid stage of development. So for those August birthday children who are coming at the age of four, um, just taking visual the development of visual perception as an example, the ability to make a an X shape using diagonal lines that doesn't uh, typically emerge till sort of four years, seven months between the ages of four and five. So for those younger children, if you're expecting them to reach uh, the zigzag letters, um, developmentally, that isn't really appropriate um, necessarily. So um, you get variation according to the age of the child. Um, there's difference, obviously, with the gender of children, um, that boys do tend to um, develop a little bit more slowly with their writing. It's very unfair for uh, left-handed um, children that our system in the UK is developed um, with a right-handed writer in mind. So it's harder for left-handed um, children. And um, as I've said, there are so many things that can go can go right and wrong um, with writing. So um, for children who haven't had a lot of um, opportunity with music, stories, um, social interaction, it's going to be much harder for them. If English isn't the first language, um, they're learning that in addition um, to everything else. Um, there is, yeah, it's, there isn't a one-size-fits-all, really. And another very basic thing is the, the height that the, the children are in reception. Some children can't even reach the floor when they're sat on the chair. And that gives them an immediate disadvantage because the posture for writing is so important. You need to have your hips and knees at 90. You need a firm base of support. Um, and sometimes the chairs, you know, are too too big, too small, and that makes it it that makes it difficult. Um, so yeah, it's very you've you've potentially got 30, sometimes more children, all with very very different needs in in, in reception. Can we group them at all? Like, are they? Can we? Can, I mean, can they reduce? You know, rather than thirty individual uh, handwriting, I guess, um, processes or like schemes of work for handwriting, will the children be able to say, okay, this group of children probably needs some more physical activity, muscle building, shoulder stability. This group of children actually, we they're just not ready and not big enough. And, and not developed enough yet because of their age to, to move on. Let's keep an eye on them for this amount of time. And, and actually this group here, they're physiologically ready, they're, they're, they're developed, developmentally ready. We can probably get them going on to the next stage. Or is it too into, more granular than that even? I think there is, um, that can be a really helpful approach. There certainly may be five children in reception who, are st who really are still at the mark-making stage, and that's what they need. You might have another five children who are exceeding expectations. They're already writing, and you're looking at them, you know, working on the phonetically irregular um, words and developing the narrative, and maybe those five children are, you know, would be. But a lot of this comes down to, as well, uh, many schools have their high-level teaching assistants um, 
cut this year and those teaching assistants for me are like gold dust they're the ones that would take the five children out who need that extra work on shoulder stability or pelvic stability or you know they need more um work on the gross motor skills um so it's it's whether there is the i think it's whether there's a staffing in the school to offer those differentiated learning experiences as well in the small groups but certainly i think groups are a very powerful uh, and helpful way of of getting the you know getting the learning experiences that the children need some children do need individual support as well so groups won't work for all children if you've got a child who's really struggling to attend and engage with the learning at all um he or she might need you know they may have an ehcp perhaps not sorted for them in reception but um they would need that tailored uh, tailored support but i think the good news is there are um lots of ways of of helping children with these difficulties do you think teachers have enough training or enough i mean they're incredibly experienced professionals usually in eyfs but do they need some help in spotting when a child is not quite ready to move on to the next stage perhaps you know they need a bit more time in i think the play-doh gym i know some eyfs uh, settings use the doh gym to build up core muscles and shoulder muscles and is is it easy for someone such as yourself to spot when a child is at an individual stage and is it harder for a teacher to spot that or do you find that actually they are getting enough training in that area? I think teachers are amazing and they do an incredible job and increasingly they are being asked to do you know more more things. Um, I think teachers that I work with do know often they know which children are finding things difficult but the kind of questions I get are, are why why is this difficult um so you know why do they have this difficulty so it might be that um that the child has developmental coordination disorder or they have some hypermobility low tone or that they have difficulty attending i think that's where that's those are the sort of questions um that i get and i think it varies a lot some some teachers particularly senkos will have experience of working with with children with those type of needs but I think uh, our, our student occupational therapists obviously we're used to working with children who have needs so they complete a thousand placement hours working in hospitals um, out in the community children uh, teachers are typically working um, with main in, in mainstream settings um, so teachers tend to have more expertise with working with typically developing children and therapists were obviously focused on on those with difficulties so um yeah it's it's the, i mean those are the i think we we do get many referrals that suggests that uh, teachers do feel that additional uh you know additional support is needed but that's not to say that i think i think teachers have in, you know in, incredible skills and the wonderful thing about teachers as well is they do tend to know the children and families very well um as therapists you know coming in we 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 don't have that um we don't obviously know them as well so school is a it's a really good place to work it's contextually appropriate rather than seeing a child in a clinic and um in an ideal world um and in the United States and Canada, what is a much more common method 
is that therapists work in schools together with teachers and that's one of my favorite ways of of working where we'll do a group together um, and those sorts of collaborative uh, approaches are very successful should we move then to the, perhaps the two most controversial elements of of, of handwriting and reception and I, I, it's been particularly um, a topic of debate in the past 18 months or so since um, Ofsted's Bold Beginnings report and, and various other bits of, of, of policy, if you like, around early years has been this this insinuation that children should be sat at desks at an early stage and, and, and also a lot of ten- attention on when the right grip for, for handwriting should be taught uh, and developed. I mean, we've, we've touched, I guess, if we take the sit- sitting at a desk um, part of that first, we've touched already on why that might not be a good idea. Um, do you think any child should be sat at a desk writing during the, that first reception year? Should it be something that's in year one? Should it be tailored to each individual child? Where, where do you sort of st- stand? Where do you stand on sitting at a desk? <laughs> yeah, I mean, even for adults, um, the cliche is the best posture is the next one. So even for adults, sitting isn't great. <laughs> so yeah. you kind of do want to be moving around. And what we know for sure is that children do need. Um, for those age five and upwards, they need at least 60 minutes of moderate to vigorous exercise a day. And then they need the resist. In addition to that, on three of those days, they need um, resistive work for building strong muscles and bones. So I think um, and for those children, for the under fives, the advice is that they shouldn't be sat um, for extended periods of time. So I think it's about uh, little bits little bits and often um, and factoring factoring in plenty of of movement if we're looking ahead to what we want eventually we want our uh, children and people to be leaving school happy and healthy hopefully with some qualifications that will enable them to get meaningful employment that's the that's kind of the big picture Um, and in the UK we start compared with European partners we do start quite a bit earlier um so it's it you, th- th- there is an argument uh, some people would say writing could, could happen later but the, the the counter to that is that um i work with some children i'm thinking of one child particularly one young person in year in year five amazing student wonderful learning attributes incredibly motivated brilliant metacognitive skills he had a really particular difficulty with joining um with the with the diagonal joins and it was really holding him back and for me i wish i could have seen him in year one so you you sort of want to get in early as well um you don't want to leave it too late so i think there is you know it's it's definitely i'm very pro mark making in the early years as a as a precursor to writing and i think it's good to introduce it but i think it's about doing it in a balanced way and making sure that the children are getting enough movement i think it can't be underestimated the importance of movement for health and well-being and self-esteem and learning generally so when the children come home and say oh it was wet wet playtime again we haven't been out all day you know we get we get a lot of variety with the school some schools will send the children out whatever the weather except if it's a gale force wind and there's a weather warning and other schools the slightest hint of rain and they're 
you know, sat in. So it's about, yes, if they're doing a bit of writing and reception, but then they've got, you know, they've still got lots of time to, to lay out and to do their, their PE. Then I think it's about having a balance, really. Sounds like you're arguing for sort of a context driven approach yes it's fine to sit at the desk if, you, if they're developmentally ready for that but as long as you have all this other stuff in place if they're going to sit down on the desk for six hours and have a wet break probably the worst idea you've ever had right <laughs> uh, exactly I think it's seeing it's trying to join everything up I'm, I'm as a therapist I'm so concerned about the, the child's overall health and well-being and yes obviously educational attainment is incredibly important and learning to write is incredibly important but um if you if you haven't got you know if you if your cardiovascular system isn't working well if you haven't developed um strong muscles and bones and if you're not getting the endorphin rush from running around that, that contributes to good mental health it's it, you know all of those it, that's that's no good so yeah i think it's seeing seeing the the child as a whole person and where they want to be eventually and if we move on to sort of when we how we develop the grip of a pen i mean there's obviously a a grip that has been i don't know where it's come from but the, this grip of a pen that's that's universally claimed to be the best grip of a pen and i'm quite sensitive to this topic because i still have a sort of half palmer grip when i'm writing no one taught me properly at school clearly um but when we have this, why, where does that grip arise from? Uh, I think it's the tripod grip, isn't it? Um, and how, how, what ages should we be introducing that, that grip? So there's a little bit of, I know the dynamic tripod grip is recommended as, um, in inverted commas, the correct grip. But mm. what the latest evidence suggests is actually there's a bit more of a range of of, of, of grips that can still be effective. So it's quite nice to think about mature versus immature grips. Okay. Um, so the, um, we'll see some children who have a lot, uh, who use a quadruped or a lateral quadruped, so they'll actually use more fingers on the pen and very effective, very can be very effective, speedy and legible. Um, the dynamic tripod is a lovely grip, um, but there are again there are some variations on that. So, um, using triangular tools can be very helpful. There are some nice um, methods that can be introduced. I mean, sometimes perhaps even for those advanced, um, for those children we were talking about who perhaps are writing at the age of three, you know, you you would be getting in at preschool really and showing. So, it's great to show that that method of of gripping the pencil and using tools that support that and there are loads of there are loads of nice grips and and things that can be added to pens to help with that but everyone's hands are different and um i think it's it, again it's not necessarily a one size uh fits all solution that the dynamic tripod is necessarily right for everybody um and i see a lot of adults who have really interesting grips and actually they're very effective you don't want to see mine <laughs> <laughs> see what your grip's like john yeah you don't want to see that <laughs> yeah um but the, the key thing is that you're not experiencing pain and fatigue when you're writing as well so yes you want it to be legible and you want it to be at speed and automatic and fluent but um if, if a child's complaining of of, of pain 
um, over to you, then you, you'd want to look at making some adjustments. That's quite interesting then. So we shouldn't be we shouldn't be um, taking a textbook approach to this where we, we, we take a look at, at, at the ideal, um, the tripod grip and say, let's try and replicate this in every child. We're, we're, again, as we're sitting at a desk, we're being more contextual and saying, is, is this child writing fluently, legibly, without pain? Then maybe we don't need to get involved here. Yeah, exactly. If it's not causing them a problem. I certainly see a range of diverse grips that are still very functional. Um, but I'm not saying I'm not saying don't teach the tri- dynamic tripod. That is lovely. It's a lovely grip, um, but it might not be right for everybody. And is there any truth in the fact that I mean, there's been some uh, pictures flying around social media of uh, of a developed seven year old's hand and an undeveloped five year old's hand, and and saying that actually there's a fundamental uh development process happening whereby certain demands on a child shouldn't be made until a hand is fully developed is that is that science or is that on the edges of where we are with research there's well in terms of i, th- I think if you're thinking specifically about bones and the process of ossification that the, there will be some children perhaps if they haven't had enough vitamin d calcium protein protein and um you know the the range of opportunities for activity that we talked about that there may be some reasons why they shouldn't um they shouldn't write i mean broadly speaking i would say for a typically developing five-year-old i wouldn't say that writing was contraindicated Um, i don't know of any Mm. compelling evidence um that would say no you mustn't write at all at the age of five, you've got to wait till you're seven. Um, but it is it is a case it is a case by case basis. There are some children with medical conditions who shouldn't write. So, if you if if a child was diagnosed with a form of arthritis or with um, other muscular conditions, you would be looking at assistive technology rather than writing for them. Um, but for most children, I would think it's appropriate to to be looking at um, you know some form of mark making or writing in the early years at school. And then, I mean, our concentration on on, on handwriting seems to centre on reception. And then, as we go through key stage one, the sort of the concentration on handwriting seems to lessen. By the time you get to key stage two, it's more why hasn't this been taught than I should be teaching it, and certainly in secondary, if 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 handwriting's not up to scratch, I don't think many secondary teachers see it as as their job to teach uh, legibility or, or to or to have the skill set to to be able to 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 assist at that age. Do you think that that's a fair assessment? For one, I mean, do you get many referrals from secondary schools, and and two. Is there is there a, a developmental trajectory to handwriting that would require every teacher at, at each stage to have some working knowledge of, of, of the mechanics of it? Yeah, so I think we commonly see that there is a, 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 a problem in year seven um, because what we write um, is affected by how we write and vice versa. So as the cognitive load increases of the work, um, then how you write diminishes. 
um and often yeah with that jump to secondary school that that then becomes an issue so i think one of the greatest gifts we can possibly give children in primary school is that they are automatic fluent writers by the time they're leaving in year six um but we see a lot of we see a lot of children in in key stage two are really really struggling um with writing so Ideally, there would be a program in the early years foundation stage that would prepare children um, there would be something for every year in primary school. And yes, there would be something for children, uh, young people in secondary school that would that would help them um, with the, with those skills um, to be automatic fluent writers. Because if you're thinking about how you're writing, it takes away your attention for um you know on the process of what you're writing so you want to be able to free up those mental resources to be thinking about the content of your piece rather than how you're actually writing it would some of those problems we talked about at the start about um not being physically ready not being um not having those experiences at home and then some of the more sensory uh developmental issues should we expect a certain number of children by year seven still to be a little bit behind on their handwriting is that is that a normal you know should that be a normal expectation that we will have a certain group of children who might need intervention at that age yes that's certainly my experience in this area um i it is an ongoing i think it is i think it is an issue um uh, but hopefully less less so. Um, I mean, we know that 30, approximately 30% um, of children are not meeting the expected attainment um, targets for writing in primary. Um, so it's yeah, it, it's 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 an ongoing an, an ongoing thing. But perhaps if we can get more work in 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 the primary years, then we would see it would be less of an issue in secondary. Which takes us to to the big research project you're you're involved with at the moment with, with the EEF. Do you want to talk us through what that research project's attempting to 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 find out and, and where you are on that project at the moment? Yes, so we're really excited um, to be working on helping handwriting shine. So myself and my colleague um, Emily Williams. Um, at the University of Leeds, we've been the research fellows on this randomised control trial over the last year. So there are very effective interventions for children with handwriting difficulties that have been um, led by occupational therapists working together with teachers. And again, the evidence is mainly drawn from the US and Canada. Um, but we know from a number of systematic reviews and meta-analysis that these um, approaches are effective at um, improving the legibility of handwriting. Um, in the UK at the moment, the statutory services, um, most children don't, um, with handwriting difficulties, don't have ready and easy access to these types of interventions. So the rationale behind the study was to make these interventions available to more children. And the method for doing that is that we've worked with, um, so there were 100 schools that participated, half in the intervention arm and half in the control arm. And for the intervention schools, we worked with the amazing primary school teachers um, and did some training with them on how to do the intervention. 
um, over a couple of days and then we provided ongoing um, support throughout the last academic year. So they were trained um, to work with their students um, and we worked in year two using a whole class approach. And the principles of the intervention are that um, children need enough time uh, to practice their handwriting um, in those early stages. So um, three times a week, but short sessions and over a period um, so they would get enough uh, practice overall and they would be using highly structured um, practice so the effective approach is used the metacognitive approach based on something called the cognitive orientation to occupational performance which occupational therapists use but it has a lot of uh, commonality with approaches in education so the children would have a goal um, and they would model so for example if they were learning the letters the teacher would model the letter they would then be taught how to plan and think about how they were going to do it they would do the letter formation and then they would evaluate it and um, so using this metacognitive approach and then the third principle is that they would have lots of opportunities to vary their practice um, so we introduced something called um, in between these three formal sessions of handwriting instruction, they would have gap tasks where they could practice these things, but in different ways, uh, using the same kind of approaches. Um, so we're, we're at the stage now, we're really excited to see um, the, the, the intervention was completed over the last year. Um, oh, and what I meant to say was, so that was year two, and in year five, it was for children who were identified as having difficulties with handwriting. So um, <coughs> four children were supported by um, usually the teaching assistant um, using the same approach, but looking at those uh, particular areas of need. So we've had some, uh, yeah, very positive feedback, but we're waiting. The results haven't been um, released yet. The NFER are evaluating, uh, the separate body are evaluating the results and they're due out very soon. So we're very excited to, to find out. And one of the nice things about the programme is that in this highly structured approach, there are warm-up activities. Um, so it's all related to handwriting. The evidence is uh, very strong that to improve um, to improve the product, you need to do, be product orientated in your your approach. So it's very task focused. So whilst I've spoken about the early years, looking at development as a whole, as preparation and doing lots of different things to support children's development, with actual handwriting instruction, it needs to be about handwriting and it needs to be very explicit and structured. We'll look forward to those uh, results, I think, coming out and hopefully we'll be reporting them in TES. Um, I guess the final question and the, and the question that always interests teachers is, is the right pen to use? And it, I'm imagining that you, you have no commercial attachment to any particular um, pen manufacturer. So this is a safe question for you to ask you. But, yes. Um, what, what is the best pen for, for a child to be writing with or pencil or, or tool, should we, should we say? So again, it depends on the age. It does depend on the age of the child. So for very young children, actually, what's really nice is a very short, chunky pen that can perhaps even just sit in the top of which can sit in the palm of the hand, and that can encourage that tripod grip. But it is it is really individual as you get older as to what uh, type of pen suits you. 
Um, so there are particular needs um, that that are really, really helped by particular types of pens. So, for example, if you had any kind of tremor, using a weighted pen really helps to, to damp down that. If you have any weakness, um, low muscle tone, um, there are pens that can help with that that um, are very light and will glide across the page. Um, for typically developing children, there are some very nice pens that have um, just a slightly raised surface on the three points of the pen where you fingers, two fingers and thumb would make contact that make a sort of a triangle um, shape. So having the right size is, is you know, is, is really good for child-sized pencils and pens. What's interesting is that actually many pens are much easier to write with than pencils. Um, so I know there are a lot of arguments about why you wouldn't want to give reception children or children in year one pens, but typically they're having to wait till they get the pen license. But actually, you know, pens can be the right pen can be a lot easier to write with than with a smudgy pencil. So, and if you are writing with a pencil, there are lots of lovely, again, triangular shaped, um, soft triangular shaped, short pencils that if they're sharp you know if they're sharp and um set out in the right way they can they can really help but i think i'm i i have particular pens that i really love writing with and then you know my colleagues have other ones that they particularly love and i think it's about finding as well just finding what you prefer but there's so many fantastic things out there um there are lovely lovely felt tips chalks all sorts of um, nice things, gel pens. So it's good to get that to try lots of different things, and um, you know, and enjoy that. And with it's not just the pen as well. The position of the paper is really important, and the child's posture. Um, having the right height chair and the right height table, um, possibly using a tilted writing surface. There is loads of things that can help. So from that point of view, it's really. Um, really positive well thank you very much um, i mean that's a fascinating interview and um, hopefully we'll be following up on that on the research too thank you very much for coming on thank you very much john